name is Casey Must. I'm the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga, and you are listening to After Class. After Class is our podcast where we interview teachers, mental health experts, people in our community to further our mission to improve mental health, prevent suicide through personal growth and transformation. One part of our brand is our ethos and our company, really. Our ethos is that showing up, honoring tradition, and placing the collective ahead of the individual leads us to a more mature relationship with ourselves or oneself. Today, we used to call it the heart of the room. We can still call it the heart of the room. Um, I have a really special guest with me, Paul Witherspoon, who has been with Citizen prior to us opening our doors, so that would be eight years. Um, Paul has been teaching Uh, Prior to that, he taught in other spaces and other places. He's a dear friend of mine and um, a very beloved teacher at our studio. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah. I think one thing we could start off with is um, I often ask teachers what their personal mission is in their life. Um, I know that's a big question to ask you right off the bat, but I know that you're a clear person. So do you have something that sort of drives every class every thought every part of who you are yeah it it is a it is a loaded question straight away but um i guess with creativity and integrity i want to get the best out of people and i want to you know teach from my heart which Mm. is ultimately what i do Mm. um but you know i just want to enhance people's physical and mental health and well-being that's it it's pretty simple yeah but they've got to be committed to the product and I'm committed to the product and how I deliver it. And what does that like? What does that mean to you? Like, what does being committed look like? Maybe in a practical way versus a theoretical way. Your practice and yeah. Yeah, committed to the practice. I mean, I've been practicing yoga personally for 20 years, and it's been a journey. You know, you hit these roadblocks, you hit hurdles along the way. And your kind of life is going in and out of your practice as well as the practice, right? Yeah. So what's really interesting is literally showing up and being committed to the practice, whether it's three times a week, if that's all you can fit in, or it's seven times a week. And everyone's different. Everyone's got a different agenda. Everyone's got a different philosophy of what they think this is about. Mm -hmm. Um, And and maybe my journey in yoga, it, it, it maybe didn't start with yoga, but deep in my head, it was there but it took something to bring it out. Mm. So my journey is yoga now, but it wasn't. It was Mm -hmm. initially something else that drove me to it. Mm. Um, You know, going through through my life and obviously coming from England, as everyone knows, um, you know, I grew up in Northern England and had a really good upbringing. Not everybody knows, so you should tell us. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was born and raised in Newcastle, just outside Newcastle. Actually, in a a city which I'm going to say is famous for Harry Potter because that's where they filmed Harry Potter. Cool. Um, But, you know, my parents, loving parents, and, um, Mm. you know, I had a a great childhood. I had a fantastic upbringing. had my teenage blip and things, you know, like normal teenage boys have. But, you know, apart from that, I I had a great childhood. And then when I get into my late teens and early 20s, um... Things were wonderful. Things couldn't get any better. Mm. Um, 
my life was going in the right direction. I was having fun. I was partying in Ibiza. Mm. I was going to London. It's like it was. <laughs> I love that. It, it, it was. It was just everything was fantastic. Couldn't get any better. Had a good group of friends, um, and then it came down with a big thump. Mm. Um, mm. I was 22, 22, 20, yeah, 22, and I lost my my 19 year old sister. Mm. So my life changed completely. Um, looking back on that time. It changed for the better, even though it was horrendous and a, a big tragedy that we had to deal with as a family. But, God, I learned so much from it. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it, it probably changed my outlook on my life because I, had, I, I was angry. I lost my identity. Um, I, was, I was a mess, you know, mm. as you can imagine losing a sibling, right, mm. that you were close to. Mm. Um, and then it took me about a year or so, and whether this was a running away from it, but I said, I'm going to London. Mm. So I left and, you know, I had to break friendships and good, strong bonds that I had with people. Mm. Um, I had to get away. Mm. Uh, and maybe it was a running away, like I said, but, mm. um, and then it became this life that I found real London. And again, my, my favorite city in the world and my, my life was on and up again. Mm. And then, unfortunately, at the time, I had another bit of a bump, mm. which was, you know, totally unexpected. I had to have some major surgery mm. in my early 20s, mm. mid early 20s. And um, I literally had this surgery and had to go back home. Parents had to look after me. And um, it was life threatening. Mm -hmm. And I got through it. I learned how to walk again almost. And then I was always an athlete. I was always into fitness. I was always into running and cycling and mm. soccer and uh, such like. But um, I, I got to a point where it, it like debilitated me completely. Mm. I was, I was, you know, I had to start again. Mm. So I had this tragedy in my life, and then I had this other thing that went on. I'm going, is there anything else going to happen to me that this this is this is crazy? You know, can one person endure yeah. all these things? So as we as I put that all behind me and started moving on, I was living my life back in London again. I had a great flatmate. And it was, it was kind of ironic that I was always looking for something. I was always, mm -hmm. I always say this in my classes that people are always looking for it. Sometimes they find it, sometimes they don't. But we're all looking for something. Mm -hmm. And I was constantly searching for something. And that anger and was still in me. Oh, yeah. And, I um, know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can sympathize <laughs> with me. And... You know, I, I, I was living this great life again in London and having the best time. And I thought there's got to be something else out there. I want to do something else, even though this is the place I love and the place I would never leave. I think there was a, there's an old, I think he was either a poet or a writer, um, Samuel Johnson. I think it was, you're talking like 17th century. Mm -hmm. He said something, when a, man, when a man's sick of London, he's sick of life. Well, I was never sick of London. I, I wanted to be there for the rest of my life. But there was something driving me somewhere else. Mm. And it was quite, quite funny that I left London and had been with my friend for, for so many years. And I, I literally wrote a post-it note on the fridge. And I said, best five years of my life, mate. I'm leaving. I'm going to the U.S. And if anyone had planned that, it would never have been me because I was, I was always going back to my roots of my parents who said, you, you've got to do this. You, you can't do that without doing this, you've, mm -hmm. you, you know. And 
just before I get on to how I came here to the US, it was, it was in, I want to mention it and then come back to it. I was at a dinner party a good few years ago and someone says to me, or the, the group of people, um, if you could pick 10 people living or dead and famous people in your, that, that you admire, um, who would you bring to this, this dinner table? Mm-hmm. Which 10 people? And there was a myriad of different people, and I'll get to the, the, some of the people that I, that, I, that I actually chose. And it was a real good conversation, good dinner party. Anyway, moving on when I left England, I literally went to Heathrow Airport, got on a plane, came to the US. Hmm. And I was like, did I just do that? I mean, I, I was this shy little boy from the northeast of England who, you know, I wouldn't, the expression, I wouldn't say boo to a goose because I was surrounded right. by my strong grandfather who, you know, was a coal miner and a bare knuckle boxing champion right he was like it was like scary so intense intense and scary right yeah and that's what i shaped my childhood it was like you know keep your distance from this guy right because it's scary yeah um and my dad actually broke the mold one of my ultimate heroes my father who you know broke away from that very mild-mannered pleasant man very successful and uh he completely, you know, I admire him to this day. You know, yeah. he's, a, he's a completely, he's completely different from his father. Yeah. I think even, even he was afraid of him. But you were, you were living with these people that had really horrible and horrific jobs going down coal mines. Yeah. And it was like something that you wouldn't, wouldn't want anyone to do. So anyway, years later, I get on this plane, I come here and, you know, I'm, I'm still lost. I'm still looking for some identity. And, uh, and now... I've, I'm a I'm a British person living in the United States, and I've got another identity crisis at that point because yeah. I'm a different person. And this was a time when I'd go to the grocery store and people would say things that I'd never even heard before, mm-hmm. you know. And are you from England? And it was a conversation, and I was still in myself that I couldn't really come out. I was still stuck. Stuck. Yeah. Of. You can imagine a lot of things in my head still going around. And now I'm in my late 20s when, mm-hmm. I, when I get here. And um, I, I, I was on a trip, with a family trip years ago, and I was in Boston. Mm. And my ex-sister-in-law at the time, mm. she said, hey, do you want to go to a yoga class? Yeah. And I said, no, nah, it's not for me. She says, you're pretty fit, you're athletic, you work mm-hmm. out, you do things. And she said, it'd be good come with me please I said all right I'll come and I was it was, it was very reluctant to do it mm-hmm. and knowing in my head I'm vulnerable and I, I say this a lot that people are afraid and there's a vulnerability everyone's vulnerable mm-hmm. and I went there way out of <laughs> way out of place yeah and I did it and I found out later that the, the teacher was a understudy to Baron Baptiste mm-hmm. who was just commencing I mean, yeah. his journey at yeah. that time I thought god I love this this is like amazing this is like I, I just felt it in my heart right I only don't want class and I came back to Michigan and I had, to, I had to find a yoga studio I have to go and do this this is like something that I want to do mm. and bearing in mind I could hardly move when someone said three-legged dog lift your leg I'm like lift my leg are you kidding yeah me? so um I came back I dabbled in different practices around town yeah uh, various studios, various teachers, and um, I met Linda Kay. And who teaches with us? 
Yes, and great teacher. And she opened a yoga studio in Birmingham called Yoga Chi. And I actually started practicing there mm. uh, for like religiously. It had become an obsession. It become something that I did for many, many years. And I think I was into my practice of about nine years or so, eight years, nine years. I said, I want to teach this. Mm. I want to, I want to share what I've got inside me because there's something bubbling in there mm. that I think is going to come out Yeah. and I don't know how to get it out. And I think that that's a lot of trainees who start training. Um, there's that feeling of in some ways, yeah, the trains here in some <laughs> ways, uh, there's that aspect or element of how do I express there's so much passion for change so much passion for helping other people I think that that is what initially draws so so many of us to teaching yeah it's interesting you use the word change because going back to the 10 people at the dinner table that Mm. I'd invite Mm. celebrities famous people or whatever Mm. I actually just revisited it as I, because I wrote them all down. And, and this was a spur of the moment thing. You had to think quick. Right. And I looked at every person. There was mm. only one woman on there. And every, every other one was a, was a man. But they were all innovators. Mm. They were all people of wanting change. Mm. They were all people that were, I'm here, kick the door in, screw the establishment. I'm going to make a difference. I'm an yeah. innovator. I've got an idea and I want to change. Mm. And it's kind of ironic that I picked these people mm. Um, who were ahead of their game, ahead of their time. There weren't, some of them weren't nice people, but there were people that really influenced a difference. One of them, I'll, who is, you might not even know who he is, Malcolm McLaren was the manager of the Sex Pistols, the old punk band in England. <laughs> and there's a guy that really tore down all of the boundaries and just said, he's my guys, and changed music for forever and there was people like that they were all innovators they were all had ideas they were all wanting change so that reflects a lot of how you feel inside which then inspired you to teach yeah absolutely i I think if you think of a yoga teacher um most people don't think of us as innovators sometimes people think of us as exercise teachers um you know from the outside (laughs) yeah and you know i think that there is an element of, of how we teach, particularly at the studio, of innovation. And we, we'll, we can talk more about how we met and what happened. I, I want to go back to, well, one, you never share your sister's name. No, Jillian. Jillian. Yeah. You know, and every year um, on my sister's death date, Paul texts me. Every year, never without fail, um, which always means so much to me that somebody remembers, um, which is so important. And um, I think that there's an element, there are a lot of people who have lost people this year, but there's an, a, a transformational quality to grief and what changed you. What were some of those things that really changed inside of you from that experience? I, I don't even know if I, and I don't know if anyone can handle grief well. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> Yeah. I don't even know if I grieved, but I obviously did in my own in my own way. It was maybe in a rebellious way. You know, I I think I had to leave London because of the temptations of London in a big city. I have to I had to get away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was my way of kind of grounding myself at the yeah. time. Um, but I always thought that you know this isn't a dress rehearsal for the real thing. This is it, 
and she wouldn't want me to stagnate and just not do anything. Mm -hmm. This is it. You don't get another one. Mm -hmm. So don't screw it up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's, there's many different things, how I coped and how, how I even got to this point today. Um, but I think yoga was a big part of it. Absolutely a big part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the calmness that I, you know, I'm a, I was a completely different person to be around after I started practicing yoga. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how everyone's journey comes to a, comes to a point. Mm -hmm. And it, is yoga part of it for everyone? No, but it is, it's a big part of it for me, massive part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that um, it's so interesting because the yoga industry right now, especially in the West, is being so criticized. And yet at the same time, how much good it's done for so many people as, as maybe um, exploitive at certain points, which you and I have seen in the industry uh, from being in the industry for so many years. We see how people exploit, exploit the tradition, don't understand the tradition, abuse the power, um, Bikram yeah. particularly, yeah, um, some people in our local area as well, not to be named. Yeah. And, um, but how as much as we can see all the negative from you know globalization and acculturation or whatever we want to call it to really think about what the value of yoga is in people's lives what it did for you um is is a lot of what it does for a lot of people not to say that everybody who does yoga is then changed because i don't believe that either i think that no. that's not true but there are there are people whose hearts have been completely transformed through this tool that we call asana, um, which helps with deep self-reflection, uh, deep presence, a much more calmness. Which I think we need to celebrate that part of what it has done for us. Absolutely. And I think for me, it's about, it's about discomfort because mm. yoga to me is, is not comfortable at times. And learning through discomfort allows you to grow. Mm -hmm. I say this a lot. Um, and even in my own practice, there's, there's elements of discomfort after 20 years of things that I'm still working on. Can you believe right. that? You think, how can this practice be lasting 20 years? And you're still working towards things. Yeah. And I don't think that'll ever come to an end. Yeah. I think it'll always be there. There's always, I'm always looking for something. Yeah. And, and even in my early 20s, when I was still looking for it, and I'm still looking for it today. Me too. And maybe I'll never find it. Maybe I've already found it. I but I don't that, really know. I think that there's an element of clarification. That's what I've been thinking about lately. That yoga helps me consistently clarify the values that I want to guide my life. And I don't ever maybe reach alignment. I don't ever reach maybe integrity. I don't ever reach pure community. But they are sort of that ever guiding light. I think particularly this past year, and actually many years, you know, you and I have both had losses and dark with so much darkness. Oh my God. Mm. And how that is what it does. Maybe we're not going to arrive at a place where we say, okay, this is it. We might have moments of that. I had a moment the other, like I think it was two weeks ago, I was riding in the car with Adam. And for the first time, I think in a year since 2020 started, I said to him like, oh my God, like I'm happy for a second. It was like, holy shit, I haven't felt joy in so many months. And, and I think that that's part of what, even though it was painful to go through this, 
just like it's painful to go through a class, like yoga, the the practice, the community, it's like, it's it's just that thing that's always there for you. That's like how I felt my whole life. And that's, I think, how you have also described it because it's well, not I feel one inclus- way. I feel inclusive. I feel, yeah. I, I, I feel it's the first time when I first, when I first got on that yoga mat, I felt as if I was there. I was, I was in it. Mm. I was grounded. I was inclusive for the first time in many, many years. Um, it, it, it actually wasn't a great practice. If I remember when I first rolled out that mat, um, but it was the starting point and it, it was the starting point of, I never stopped from that day. Mm-hmm. I never, I, you know, we've had ups and downs along the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've continued that practice. Yeah. Never stopped. Yeah. So I think it, that, it that gives me something. People um, are so critical of themselves when they're like, oh, I've been out of practice for so long. And it's something I remind people you know, we, you both, both of us say like, okay, I've been practicing for 27 years. I've been practicing for 20 years, whatever that is, wherever we're at. But that doesn't mean that the practices look the same. You know, I used to go for seasons of my life once a month, maybe, or, you know, it wasn't always this intensive. It was just, it's just that like good friend that you're like, okay, I need you now. I need this conversation. I need this quiet that I haven't had. But then it changed again mm. Mm. because after, I think the first eight years of practicing, then I went into teacher training. Mm. Yeah, let's talk about that. Oh my goodness. Talking about being vulnerable. Oh my God. It, it's funny because I, I actually looked up the word vulnerability today mm. before I came here. And, you know, would you ever be a yoga teacher when I tell you this? We are all afraid and vulnerable like that's what I said. And... The definition is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked Mm -hmm. or harmed either physically or emotionally. Mm -hmm. Why why would you put yourself in front of a room of 50 people knowing that you're vulnerable Mm -hmm. if that's the definition of it? Mm -hmm. But it it isn't, it's not only being vulnerable, it could be your greatest asset. And I learned from my vulnerability at a very, very young age. And now as I teach, I've still got vulnerability every time I walk into that studio. Mm. I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm, you know, and now with the online thing and the, the computer not working and that. So vulnerable. You're vulnerable, yeah, right? Yeah. To people's opinions, to, yeah. you know, um, interestingly, in our one of my mentorship uh, pieces that I wrote, I described the difference between vulnerability and authentic and I use the definition of vulnerable. So while you were saying it, you know, it's like, what's it? Pray, pray you know, your prey. You're like, okay, well, why would you ever walk in and teach if you felt that vulnerable? Yeah. Um, but could be your best greatness. It is, and and also it also leads to great authenticity. And and I I agree. I think that there are parts of teaching that are very vulnerable. But I always say like, I'm not vulnerable. There are certain parts of my teaching I won't let you. I won't expose to you as a vulnerable side of myself, even though I'm exposing it to myself. Yeah. It's like this That's secret relationship that I'm having with myself yes. that you don't know how vulnerable I actually feel about talking about this. I'm not going to present it as that way, but that I'm having this per- personal conversation while I'm having a public authentic expression. And, and I, that is something that I think a great teacher 
learns. That's why teaching for both you and I is so therapeutic. It's so, it's our passion. It's our love. It is. And it is about leaning into that discomfort. Mm. And once you've leaned into it, it, the the vulnerability kind of goes away, Mm -hmm. but it's always there. There's always, Mm -hmm. there there was always, you know, there's always things that keep coming up, Mm. but yeah, it's authentic. And it, it has to come from your heart. You know, I had a teacher trainer ask me, yeah, have, you got any, told me. have you got any advice? And I said, be yourself. Yeah, she just told me. She said, you said, teach from your heart. Yeah. And, and that helped her because then it was like, it's the permission, which is what I talk about with people all the time and with you. Nobody's trying to make you me or Paul. If, that, if we tried to do that, then yeah, that is stressful. You know, that's like saying color in the lines, but the, you know, the drawing is minuscule, you know, and that is stressful. Um, It's like playing operation, you know, that game, you you know, like you'd have to like, like the tweezer and then buzzes and you're just like, oh my God, that's not, you know, that's not Paul. That's not who I was supposed to be when I showed up. And, And part of this is just like turning it off and, and really sort of figuring out what is your, your, if you just have to be yourself then the only thing you're referring to is like, yeah. okay, how much of myself can I be today? I don't have to memorize a, a script. Yeah. Something I want to say to the listeners, which is why um, I begged Paul to come on here, um, which is uh, there are very few people in the world that I have met who love teaching yoga um, as much as I do. And he is one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think we need to acknowledge that love and why do, I mean, I know why I love teaching so much and could talk about it forever, but you know, what about teaching, the actual experience of teaching, not practicing? Um, do you love so much? I, I, think, I, I think it's a pretty simple answer for me. I, you know, as the years go by, it's transformation. It's seeing people, I get rewarded by seeing change. I mean, there's that word change again. I've changed someone. They, they've, they've transformed themselves. Um, and they've become, I'm not going to say they've become a different person, but they've experienced the practice, the physical, the emotional, the mental side, or whatever it is. And I, 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 I just get pleasure out of seeing people's change. Mm. They, it's, it's as simple as that. Mm. I, um, I'm rewarded with that gift of mm-hmm. making that person change their life maybe mm-hmm. um I, I really can't answer the question any other way because yeah. that's why i do it mm. i want people to experience change maybe i am an innovator i don't know you are of course <laughs> i mean part of what we did through citizen whether people realize it or not and nobody in michigan maybe remembers but at that point you know paul and i met Oh my God, I'm remembering. Paul and I met as ambassadors yeah. for Lululemon, actually. Yeah. That's actually where we met. Yeah, we did. And you were an ambassador. Who were you an ambassador for? What was it called? Uh, Blue, Blue Yoga. At no. The time. It, was it, it, what's it, the other one? What's the other one you taught at? What was it called? That's where, well, I was, I was at a few different places oh, okay. at the time. But the Blue, but, was, but the blue one, was the one ah. that, yeah, that's. Okay, Blue's in Birmingham. Um, and... I was an ambassador for God knows why, because I didn't even open my studio yet. <laughs> I just convinced um, them. No, I'm just kidding. I, I think that they understood that I had a vision of what we were going to be creating. And, um, and you know, Paul and I became friends. And I told him, especially because he had practiced with Linda Kay. And, 
you know, then I had Fancy and said, you know. Well, I think it was Fancy that actually texted me once. She said, Did she? She said, you need, a, you, you need to come and meet Casey and myself at Starbucks. Is that what we did? And I think we met at Starbucks. But I think the journey was greater than that because over many, many months, you'd call me up and say, you fancy coffee? And, and you would tell me about this vision and this dream. And I'm going, yeah, is it ever going to happen? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were even throwing names around. I remember the names. You were, you were throwing names around. And Citizen wasn't even a name at that point. Yeah. And then, and then it was. And then it became Citizen Yoga. And then you invited me to say, come, come with me. Yeah. Come work with me. I mean, I remember I was in my, um, and you were like, I don't know, you know, it's something new. Somebody recently asked me, and I'll tell this quick story. Somebody recently asked me who we know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting my own thing. I'm, I'm so scared. Weren't you scared when you started your own thing? And I'm like, you know, no, I was fucking pumped, you know, <laughs> like, no, I wasn't scared. I was so excited to stop thinking about myself for like one moment of my life. And yeah, I was scared because I had like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt on my name. That was my name, not anybody else's name, my name. And these like 10 people who thought like this could work (laughs) and their their yoga career is in my hand. So that is what made me afraid. Not starting citizen yoga. And I remember I was pulling into my, my parents' garage and I had been, you know, I, again, we don't have this thing. I tried not to at Citizen where, uh, again, again, it, it's, there's a values issue uh, in some studios. So our values don't match. So that doesn't make sense. But, you know, I wasn't going to be like, okay, ball, now you choose. You know, that's bullshit. And F the yoga community for thinking like that. But uh, he called me and said, uh, uh, okay, so uh, I think I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that how I said it? Sort of, yeah. And I was like, great, okay, like this is excellent. And um, from that point on, you know, we as a t- group started to think about, well, what is going to be different about this place? Because we had seen yoga studios for yeah. d- decades. Yeah. You know, like teach nicely in studio, not be nice outside the studio. And I think that that is where we we all innovated. This idea that like Chaturanga has a form, that mm. Updog has instructions. There's an instruction manual behind every pose, <laughs> not just like flow not how throwing you your feel. Back out every yeah, exactly. Ruin your rotator cuff for life. <laughs> well, you know what's really funny is um, I was just thinking about this. You, you know, you talk about when I first came to, to Citizen, and I was really disappointed in myself not not for not for coming to Citizen, but I had a trip planned. And you decided to open the studio when I was in London, and I was going, I'm, "Oh no, I've got, I've, I've got to go back." She's already been open for two weeks, and I remember I had to teach my first class, and it was outside because it was in August. Uh-huh. I, I think it was like August eighteenth. Yeah, I was twenty thirteen. Yeah, I was outside, and I thought, "Well, I've missed two weeks of this. Oh my god, I'm, I, it's, this is dreadful." You know, yeah. I mean, how am I going to catch up? And that's what was going through my mind. I'm coming back on the plane, and I'm going. Oh, no one knows who I am. Everyone's had two weeks of this, you know? Oh, my God. But it's like so so funny how your mind works, right? Yeah. But never look back. No. Oh, my God. So glad I came. Yeah. Oh. You know, there are these pillar people in my life. You're one of them, obviously. You know, and fans. They can make me cry because 
yeah, I, I don't think we, I couldn't survive any of my life without you guys. Like, I, I think we created something that truly changed people's lives. And sure, we might be under fire in the current climate and to change. And, you know, we've, we are changing and becoming more inclusive as a community. You know, you can't know what you don't know. And I think we're working really, really hard. I know I am every day, but I think aside from, you know, our blind spots, what we did light up in this world, you know, I don't, I don't think that many people have the privilege to make so many friends and makes to love what they do. And, right. and I, yeah, I think that there isn't, I couldn't love something more than mm. teaching. I mean, okay, don't tell Adam that. I love Adam. He's, <laughs> he's good. You know, but I think that you and I both, I, as, t- if, as students listening, like, may you teach, if you teach, to love it, not to make money from it. And that's the next sort of question that I have, which, you know, teachers get burnt out. And I, I do understand that. I, I do. I think that there is an element of promise that the yoga s- industry made in the beginning about like, okay, you know, make this your career and don't work for anything else. And that would be advice I probably don't recommend uh, to anybody unless, you know, you, you're, I don't know. I don't know who I would really recommend it to, honestly, Uh, not even myself, even though I love it so much is that I work full time as owning citizen. And if I didn't own citizen, then I would do another job and then teach full time um, and you do the same thing. So maybe yeah, you absolutely. can talk to students, you know, what does your week look like? And, and how have you maintained, how has yoga not being your primary profession helped you maintain your love and passion for teaching? Yeah, if I, if I actually have to look back and look into my week, I don't know how I do it. Yeah, I don't I, either. I, I, I really don't know how I, I, I put it together. I mean... I like to think my my teaching of yoga is my life experience. So whatever happens in my life is taught in that yoga room. What whatever I say, however whatever I do in the in the yoga room is a reflection of what I'm doing in my real life. Um, you know the work element. I'd like to think, even though I don't do and teach yoga for money. Um, you know, my main job um, is, is my income. But I think of yoga is my main job, <laughs> which is kind of strange, right? If I lost that other job, I would be in a world of hurt, right? Yeah. Because I need that for living, for my two boys, right? I need it. But in my head, yoga is my number one job. Mm. And my mm. other job is my other job. But it really, it's the other way around. But that's mm. how I think. Yep. And... Um, I use the negativity in my other job. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, executives at, in automotive companies. Um, I'm working on electric cars. You know, I've, I, I'm, I'm a director of a, a company that, you know, is uh, instrumental in um, factory automation and building, building cars, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so negative at times. And I, I use the... I use the analogy of how yoga is such a positive world in this world, that, this other world that I'm in. And I'm using all of those things that I learn every day, meeting people, 
situations I find myself in, whether it's negotiations or issues that I've got to deal with every day, it's a great part of pulling that into your class mm. and, and walking away from it and mm. delivering your class, using your life experiences in another, in another world. Yeah. And it is another world. Yeah. You know, yeah. most of the people that I come into contact know that I teach yoga, know that I practice yoga, but the, there's, I wouldn't say there's that many people that actually would be interested in doing it because mm. they're so far removed from even my personal life. They're, they're different people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be friendly with them. Yeah. It's business. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends are in yoga, in that world, and it's, it's kind of... But I, I use the, the practical side of my job and the issues that I have, and I think it enhances my, mm-hmm. my teaching. I really do. I agree. I mean, I do that too, even though I work in the yoga industry. I also see a lot and feel a lot. I'm a very sensitive person. Not a lot of people, I maybe know that. I'm, I'm sensitive. Yeah, we're sensitive. We've, like, we've like already cried like three times. You don't even know that we've already cried because you can't hear it, but we've already cried in this podcast a few times together. <laughs> you just don't know that we were crying. I like to think you were like me, but I'm me. You know, you are you. <laughs> you know, it, but we've got very similarities. Uh, yeah. So, And I, I, I learned that in the first time we met. I think you and I struck up a conversation straight away and was like just talking for about half an hour about... <laughs> I think I got everything out of your, of what your life was about within like 30 minutes. I went, 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 God, I know Casey's life. And she probably knows mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we connected I, straight away. Yeah. We really did. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, when you, when you teach so much, like we do, uh, there is a limit. There is a limit to how much you can teach uh, and, and you have to find that sweet spot. So that would be the advice I give to teachers. Everybody has a different capacity. I have a pretty high capacity because I, I enjoy it so much. And also because this is my career. Um, uh, but, you know, you have to find that sweet spot. Yeah, there um, is a balance. Yeah, but I think that if your primary job... So part of this is like the reason it's so sweet is that when you teach for money... Uh, you know, there's a strain that comes that you don't realize is an undercurrent strain and can wear you out. Yeah. And and then it takes, it makes something that's sublime. I truly believe teaching is such a sublime spiritual experience. And it makes it mundane. Not to say that money is not, I don't think money is a bad thing at all. And I think that, you know, you, you definitely, uh, you know, use money you make on, in teaching to do other things. Like, that's excellent. But it's not your primary. Um, it doesn't become your primary reason. And I think that's uh, uh, an important piece. Yeah, you know? absolutely. What, you know, work-life balance for you is what somebody would call very imbalanced, but somebody would also call uh, my life. I'm, I'm very OCD, though, and i I got to have everything. If, if anyone watches me practice yoga, they'll see that my my yoga mat has got to be straight, you know, it's like everything out of line for me is it's chaos in my life. Right. Yeah. So I'm a very organized person in my job. Um, in my, even coming to class, I still know, I was talking to a teacher a couple of weeks ago, a, a, a new teacher. She said, I never prepare. I just come here. And I went, really? I said, I've been teaching for 10 years. I know exactly what I'm going to do before I walk in that room. Yeah. She said, what do you mean? You plan? I said, I plan everything. Yeah. That's my life. That I plan. That is who you are. And, and it's kind of ironic in thinking back to how I left England and how I, I'm here today. Yeah. I didn't plan anything. Yeah. I just did it. And, you know, that spontaneous yeah. is like 
in me, but not, it doesn't always come out. I'm, I've always been very anxious. I've always been, I want things right. I, you know, if I yeah. make a mistake in class, it's like, I know. I'm thinking about it for the rest of the day. Right. But um, it's, 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 it's all good. You know, when we, um, I think as teachers, um, we watch each other go through seasons of mm. our lives. Uh, you know, we're all in different seasons. When Fancy, we first opened, Fancy had Rosie. Remember, mm-hmm. she was, Rosie was just a little infant. Yeah. Uh, you know, your boys were young. And, yeah. you know, during the time that we were open, I don't know if it was two years in or something, you were going through a divorce. Yeah. And um, maybe you can just talk about what it was like to maintain your teaching through your seasons because sometimes people stop teaching because something in their life isn't working and i yeah it, it i think it helped me tremendously it, it, it got me through it um i remember one night it was a i know a, yeah. I feel like I know where you're talking about, but go ahead. I, I was, I was, I came out of my class one night, and there was, you know, the regular students that you have Monday night. I think it was Monday night, and this particular student one mm. night said to me, he said, "Something going on in your life, right?" And I went, what, "What do you mean?" He says, "That was ridiculous. That class. It was so challenging. It was so hard." And I said, "Really?" And he went, "Yeah, I've noticed. There's a shift." I said, "I'm going through a divorce." And he went, "That's it. I knew there was something." And I drove home that night and I'm thinking, am I taking it out on these people? Am mm-hmm. I actually, but it's a reality, right? It, it caused an effect mm. um, on how I was teaching. Mm. And, you know, the stresses and strains of going through that and not knowing the end of what was going to happen and where would I be? Would I even have a home or where, you know, what's going to happen to my children? And, uh, you know, I came through the other end. But it, I, I really, I put it down more to my teaching than my practice that got me through that. I agree. I, I think that when I think of the pandemic, it was very hard for me to practice because uh, I was so anxious so many days um, and showing up to teach. That's why I started leading. I, it was like, I mean, philosophy, this philosophy group every week. I mean, thank goodness for them. You know, they think, oh, Gracie, you're so great. Thank God you show up. I'm like, oh, God, thank you thank you for showing up because, you know, I need you. Um, but I think that the teaching this past year really got me through it. And, you know, we have all, especially our, our starting group particularly, just not to exclude anybody who's on our team right now, but there's something very special about working with people for eight years. Yeah. It's a long time. And to watch us all go through our seasons, you know, how I cry with Fancy every time we talk. You know, I still go to her class and cry almost every time because it's just like, hold me. Like, am I okay? You know, and I've been doing that since day one of opening this damn studio, uh, you know. And and so then, you know, then there's Todd who's like, you know, the dad and like holds our hands and makes us backbend and do crazy shit. You know, and you and Zemba who is just you know, the boss really of all of us. Yeah. Uh, and then Nick, Nick was actually pretty like soon. And then Lauren Meyer, who is our first employee, who still is just so dedicated to citizen, even though she isn't teaching as much, but just like, yeah, great, it, great bunch of people. Yeah. All different, all different. And, yeah. and how much we've had to support each other through these years of difficulty. I would say that probably, you know, fancy has done the most supporting of me this past year in the sense that, 
Uh, usually I'm like supporting everybody else, but I, I think staying with each other over these seasons and how hard per- certain parts of our lives are, it's, you know? It's, I mean, it's, this year has been, last year, I mean, it's been so tough. I remember just, uh, I was just thinking about this, that a, a, a teacher told me, um, an influential teacher in my life at the time told me when I was doing teacher training, um, don't think you're going to be a teacher when you finish teacher training. And it's mm-hmm. so true. It took me about four years for that bubble to come to the surface. Mm. And anyone had that's been through teacher training, mm-hmm. maybe going through it right now if they're, if they're just starting to teach. But mm-hmm. it, 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 I, it was one night I was teaching and I went, hey, this is it. Yeah. I, I felt it. Yeah. And but I was thinking, I've been doing this what four years is what? Like eight hundred thousand classes? And I'm thinking, how can it just be now that that's happening? But it is. It's so true. Yeah. And it's so interesting that last year when you and I discussed and you're gonna have to teach online, you're gonna have to and I'm going, Really? And I was like petrified. I know. And Me then too. But it, it it's again, it's another change. It's yeah. another hurdle. We talk about these things called changes and hurdles and yeah. life experiences that we have we but as yogis and yoginis, we have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, um, I remember my first online class in this apartment, you know, and the deafening silence that I had to hear. Mm. You know, I hear breath and laughter, and, you know, I love making jokes before class that aren't jokes. They're just me making fun of myself, and people find it interesting. And then there's nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like terrifying. You I know? found it really difficult. hundred people, 120 people staring at me, you know, and not being able to connect. And that's, you know, I really, I, I just was telling Paul this before we began that I, I will, I refuse, refuse to believe that, um, I mean, our on-demand platform is excellent, but I, I refuse to say that there's anything better than an in-person community there is nothing better than an in-person community it, it, i was just writing a whole blog and reading an article about you know the fall of in-person communities in the united states and and we're sort of in that like big turning point right now it's definitely changed people yeah the, the and, whole experience of last yeah, year yeah and you have to like now i said to our team today i'm going to take a stand in the freaking cement <laughs> You put me there, you know, and let the wind blow and let everybody sort of like rumor around why convenience is so important to your life and then just be miserable in your own convenience in your isolated house. And there's a part that's really positive, like on demand and getting access to teachers. And there's a lot of positive. So I'm not negative Nancy on all of it, but there's a, a, a joy from even just doing this podcast. If we were doing it, on the phone, which I've had to do. Yeah. Now we can start doing it in person as we become back as we get vaccinated. How much more joyful, how much more emotion we're sharing because we're together. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? It's the the connection of people is that's it. And yeah. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. I mean that's what being in a public class is. If you're not doing a public class, then do home practice. Why Yeah. Like the only thing that for, for me at the minute, if a if a teacher of big classes and walking around the studio you know, you talk about the heart of the room. Todd and I have talked about it many times. And mm. um, I, I I have my own methodology of where I'm trying to pull the energy from and how I'm mm. doing it. But I feel as though I'm on a ball and chain at the minute at the front mm. when you're teaching an online class. Yeah. 
Yes. And then you can't walk around. But it was it, an interesting thing happened a couple of Fridays ago that someone actually said to me, I know you had 30 people online and 16 people in the class. She said, I felt those people online tonight. Yeah. You did something mm. and I don't know what I did, but I, I was struggling with this 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 entity of online and studio how to bridge that connection between the two yep. which is an impossible task in, in in many ways yes and i came out of that and there was a, and another person interjected into the conversation yeah i felt those people online as well mm. so then i asked the person online they said yeah there was a connection and i went mm. i don't know how i did it right but there's it's, something there's something it's and it's possible don't panic if you're listening because we're not getting rid of our virtual studio. These are just my these are my ideal idealistic uh, thinking. I'm an Aquarius. I'm an idealist at, at my heart. So if you can, think- you are an Aquarius, the same as me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When's your birthday again? February 11th. February 11th. January 28th. So, what would be some if you could uh, reflect some of your main messages that you say in class? What are some of your favorites or? You know, I call it my life thesis statement, which I like, have many, and I profess many. Uh, I'm homing in onto the, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and as the years tick by, I'm, I'm homing in on this word time. Mm. Um, and, the, you know, there was, there's many different quotes that, I, that I've used over the years, but um, time you enjoy wasting was not wasted. Mm. And... You know, there's many things I can get out of. John Lennon said that. Mm. And, um, you know, no one wants to go through their entire life and waste their time. Mm. But is wasted time wasted? Mm. I've wasted so much time in my life. Mm -hmm. But have I really? Mm -hmm. I've used that time wisely to where I am today. I'm in a good place today, I must admit. Mm. I feel good. I, I think I'm fitter, stronger. Mm -hmm. My practice is good. Mm -hmm. I'm introducing new things into my practice. Um, I'm teaching new things. Yeah, what are you teaching? Oh, I want to talk about your new things you're teaching. Well, hit, hit, hit. Yeah, my, hit, my, hit, my hit. yeah, my my high intensity <laughs> stuff has really inspired me through through COVID. To be honest with you, because yeah, I understand. I I, I think I've been doing high intensity interval training for you know on and off for two years, but then I got um, I've been working with a guy in London who revolutionized the fitness world in England. And he became, he actually became this celebrity of, and how he got notoriety was when the kids weren't going to school during COVID, he wanted to continue their physical education. So he put this online platform together and started teaching kids. Mm -hmm. And um, amazing concept. Kids weren't going to school, sitting at home on electronic devices. I'm going to get them to move. And he became this guy who started as a um, real entrepreneur standing outside subway stations with placards saying, come and work out with me in the park. And he began this, this thing many, many years ago, but then he yeah. brought it to the mainstream. So then I, I got introduced to his method of high intensity interval training and I, I've been doing it for over a year now. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of mixed it and kind of made it my own and put it in with yoga and, you know, the stretching before and the stretching afterwards. And, I mean, I do it five days a week mm -hmm. with yoga. And so, you know, like I said, I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling, yeah. so I'm trying to get more and more people involved with this. Yeah, we're doing um, a challenge and, and it's going to be on demand. Yeah. And so it's every that. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't downloaded our app, you can go to the app store and download Citizen Yoga. And Paul's on there. Um, I think you have a hit in Vinyasa that's on there and we're going to put more. 
you know, I, I also think that as I'm having to amp it up a bit because yeah. people are texting me saying that wasn't as easy as last Sunday. It's <laughs> like, come on. That's right. Well, I, I do think that like as we, as I am getting older too, uh, I just want to change certain things. I actually feel strongest in my practice now, uh, physical practice, though I don't backbend as much. I would say that. I don't either. I know, and I want to, but it's just so. I don't that know. It's, a, it's just. Ustrasana it, for me is like where I can be now, but like. I think 2020, like, Erdva for me, like, the thought of holding my own weight in my shoulders right now, where I already feel so tired, <laughs> you know, <laughs> why am I torturing myself? But, like, headstand and, and things like that are, are so I invigorating. I modify so much. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, yeah. that's what we teach ourselves, you know? Yeah. So for a, a teacher that's just graduating training or somebody who you know, really wants to step into teaching yoga, uh, what's your advice to them? From finishing teacher training? Or, and, yeah, and, yeah, or just somebody who really wants to teach yoga. Well, from the teachers that have done teacher training, I, I, I tell them simply that you have to teach from your heart and you have to be authentic and you have to yeah. be real. It, yeah. It's about you and it, it's coming within and you have to be authentic. Yeah. You, you can't make it up. Yeah. You can't script it. Yeah. It, there is no script in yoga. It's, it is what it is. Mistakes yeah. will happen. Things will be terrible some days and other days yeah. will be euphoric, right? Yeah. But um, it's about being real. Yeah. And finding the real you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I'd say people that haven't done teacher training, that wanted to do teacher training, there's a vulnerability that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And, but when you get through it and get out to the other side, I mean, it's a great... It's a great experience it builds to, to so much change. Confidence. Yeah. And, and you know, from when I look back in my childhood of being this little shy little boy, and now I'm I'm oozing confidence. I walk taller. I stand taller. I just feel good about myself. I like myself. Yeah. And I like other people. Mm. And there's no hatred. There's no remorse about how I feel. I just and and if you and, and like I say this a lot, it's not about looking good it's about feeling good mm. and when you feel good you actually look good mm-hmm. and and I, I feel great mm. and i'm happy i mean come on <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i should borrow some so sweet yeah i mean I th- working together teaching together we need to borrow some Paul Witherspoon. Okay, we're going to sell it in vials. That's the entrepreneur in me. <laughs> I, didn't feel, I didn't feel like that last year with COVID. I no, mean, that's, I that was a complete, yeah. that's another, another hurdle that you have to overcome, right? Yeah, and yeah. then, but you, you learn from all these things. We've talked about many things today about, you know, the hurdles of life mm-hmm. and how you bounce back. We're, we're very resilient people. Yeah. And we, we get on with it and we do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing life. Yeah. And we have to embrace it. Mm. That's it. You did great. Thank you so much for, for being here and, and talking with me. And, you know, I'll bring Paul back, obviously. Thank you for um, having me. You can see Paul. Paul's on the schedule. I know his schedule by heart, but um, you can just... <laughs> Because I make his schedule, um, <laughs> beg him every day to teach more. Um, but yeah, you can find Paul online. You can find him on demand on the app. If you use the promo code after class, all caps, 
Uh, you can get 30% off your first month. It's $18 a month. It's our effort to be more inclusive in our world of yoga, which means it's affordable. Uh, they're all different levels. They're people of all body types. Uh, we do our, our best to be as diverse as possible. So please check it out. Share it with your friends. Um, rate us if you can. Write us reviews when possible. And um, thank you for being my guest today. Do you have any last things or words that you want to say? No, it was just a pleasure to to speak and be open about my life. You know, it's it's important and you're important to me as well as citizen. And onwards and upwards. <laughs> yeah, onwards and upwards. <laughs>